0: Learn Persian with Chai Conversation, Raising Neemdrunis, an interview with Tehran Van Ghasri. Hello, my name is Layla Shams and today's interview is with Tehran Von Ghasri, a half African-American half-Iranian comedian who reads and speaks Farsi fluently. I originally wanted to interview Tehran to ask him about being raised in a half-Iranian family and how his father managed to keep him interested in the Persian language and culture. But our interview happened a couple weeks after the Black Lives Matter movement erupted in the United States and all over the world following the death of George Floyd. I had a lot of questions about his unique perspective of being half-Black and half-Iranian, and particularly about the role of Iranian Americans in this movement. I learned so much from our conversation and hope that you will too. Let's get right on with it. So Tehran, thank you so much for talking with me today.
1: Thank you so much. I hope my introduction is amazing, by the way. I need an amazing <laughs> I don't want I don't want a normal introduction. And I'm I'm gonna tell you something, Layla. Yes. Um I'm actually very upset with you, and I'm actually kind of annoyed. I've gone through your shows and I I have to admit, it's actually very hurtful and disappointing. And I'm not gonna lie.
0: What, what's what been hurtful and disappointing?
1: The fact that you have a show called Raising Neem Rooney's, and you have not had me on this before. I am exactly what your show is. Like, how have I not been on this show? There's something, this is something. You're biased, prejudice, something. There's gotta be a word for what you've done to me Honestly, I might start a protest over this This is actually really hurtful
0: (laughs) Here's my excuse Is that I wrote you and you did not write me back And maybe I used the wrong channels I did think of you immediately when I started this project So this is not my main podcast I have a podcast about teaching the Persian language And uh, I've just started doing this series recently So this this will be my 8th episode You will be but I did write you from the very beginning So and eight, didn't receive.
1: seven other people got on the show before me. <laughs> Hold on. Where did you write me? How did you write on me? On
0: Facebook. Oh, on Facebook.
1: Oh, you hit me up on Facebook? You <laughs> well, thought that's... you could get me by sliding into my DMs? Is I know. That... You're
0: right. You're right. You're right. Okay. But we're we're friends on Facebook. We've been friends with, on Facebook since your video came out uh, 11 years ago now. Can you believe that? About you Shh. and your perfect uh, Persian speaking Sure. So So, so, so we're that's where we were connected. Anyhow, okay. So I made a, decade a, ago,
1: a decade ago we became friends on Facebook. That's uh-huh. great. And then you contacted me on Facebook, which by the a way, I have later. five pages, a fan page, all You're the right. things. And how did you eventually get in contact with me?
0: How? Mistakes were made, mistakes were made.
1: <laughs> there are good and bad people on both sides. I've heard the speech. All I'm saying is <laughs> next time you have a show about Nimrunis, uh-huh. it should just be. Actually, I should be every show. That's all That's I'm saying. That's true. It's true. I should just be every show.
0: It's true. You're the model Nimruni, which okay, let's get right into it. So, <laughs> so this show is called Raising Nimrunis, but you are an actual Nimruni. And can you tell me about your background for those of our audience who don't know you? What is your, what ethnicity are your parents? Where did they meet? Where did you grow up? Sure, I get it. Uh, What are you? I get it. I've heard (laughs) the what are you
1: question my whole life.
0: So my father is
1: Iranian and my mother is African-American. And I am from, born and raised in Washington, D.C. Now, it's very important that you understand that I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. because Washington, D.C. is a very interesting and unique place. It is a combination of education and streets. It's a combination of different diversities. Washington, D.C. is the American concept come to life, all in one little city, right? So you have a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, all in one area. And then inside the city proper, of course, which used to be Chocolate City, you also now have this battle of gentrification. So the reason I bring this up is because with all of these things shaping me, it is no surprise I became who I became. I had no choice. I was caught up in these worlds, not only by design, but by demographic and location it's like nature and nurture were like you need to be this bridge between worlds
0: wow well so how did your parents meet
1: my parents a lot of people always assume that my 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 father is like the persian martin luther king who's just fighting for civil rights and and is so progressive and so they just met in college they were like Uh, You know, a guy and a girl who met in college, of course, the the story of many Washington, D.C. Iranian diaspora, where Iranians went to Washington, D.C. for educational purposes. And they ended up being trapped there because of the 1979 revolution. So my father and my mother, they met in college there. And they got married and had a kid. And their first one was me.
0: (laughs) Okay, so how? Do, what was your experience growing up learning Persian? So you, I, I just want to put it out there. There's lots of videos of you speaking Persian. You speak perfectly. Um, the videos that you've been putting out lately, I've had to, you know, write down the words you're using because you have an amazing vocabulary. So, what was your experience growing up with the Persian language? So,
1: you know, it's it's. I love how you call it Persian because that's what it's called in. Um, in the Western world, I do call it Farsi, and I'm sure you're okay. I
0: love that too. I, I, I love that you. Oh, do that. I'm
1: so glad you're not annoyed by that because no. I actually had oh. a very intense conversation with several people regarding this. I call it Farsi, and and Great. I'm proud of it being Farsi. I don't need to call it Persian in Same. order to connect to this historical background that makes uh, makes me feel better. Than I I'm know glad you have said
0: that too. Thank you, Tehran. Actually. It is. I will say I've I felt pretty awkward so like you said this is my eighth interview yeah. and I have been going back and forth because my pot the podcast is learn Persian with trying conversation because I had this whole I came from uh UT Austin University of Texas at Austin where they really drove it into us that academically this is Persian if you say Farsi it's incorrect da, 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 da. Sure. and after all these years I'm like oh my gosh I I No, I don't agree at all. So I'm glad that you brought that up. (laughs)
1: Well, the best part about language is Mm -hmm. like the government's supposed to be. Language is democratic. We all get to decide what a word is and what it means. And if we decide that it means something different, we're all made aware of it. For example, in the 80s, Michael Jackson had the song Bad, and we all started using the word bad for good, and we all got mm-hmm. it. We all mm-hmm. understood. And I know academia has a very strong role and purpose. At times, however, they neglect the power of pop culture, and they neglect that democratic process. And so I, there are people who are like, no, it's Persian. And I'm like, if I say Farsi and enough of us say Farsi, then it's yes. just Farsi. Yes. It's very simple. Thank we've seen you. <laughs> this. We've seen this happen many times. We're watching it happen right now in the, the battle of, is it African-American or black? I mean, we've seen it happen. It's okay. We can, we can, I, I, I am so proud, which is different than having pride, by the way. I'm proud oh. of my Iranian heritage and my culture. Mm-hmm. And I understand that Iranian does not mean the government. It means the people. And it mm-hmm. always has. And so- I don't need to impress upon someone a cultural background that means greatness. Mm-hmm. I say it because it means greatness even today.
0: Wonderful. Well, great. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> uh, but then back to the original question. Then, what was your uh, experience growing up learning Farsi?
1: Yeah, it sucked. So here's the thing,
0: right? <laughs> yeah.
1: My my father of originally. Did not teach me Farsi. He was practicing his English. He he wanted to learn English. And so oh. he spoke to me in English. And then one day he basically, he basically switched it up, right? So a lot of people don't understand. My father's actually a very um, wonderful person. He he actually created this technique, much like how you teach people Farsi, um, he created a technique to teach kids different behavioral patterns, including Farsi. And it's called tusari. So.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. But So, which is basically just hit you in the back of the head, which is my, my way for his abras- abrasive switching up of going oh. from English to Farsi and saying, We speak, obviously, English isn't working out for me. I'm going to speak Farsi, and all of my children are also going to learn Farsi, and it was very important. It was something I didn't understand as a kid, because as a kid, we don't, sure, we learn, but we don't specifically like to learn. We just want to play, which is why now when we look back, we wish we had gone and taken school more Mm -hmm. seriously when we were kids. It seems so much fun now that we're adults, Mm -hmm. so... As a as a kid every saturday of mine was dedicated to learning Farsi and every day my father actually specifically said if I don't respond or ask for something in Farsi I wouldn't get what it is that I wanted
0: How old were you point. when this switch happened It
1: was around it was around the age of 5 And interestingly enough I had no I had already I had already absorbed a lot of Farsi so I actually spoke Farsi pretty decently on my own without being taught Farsi and Mm -hmm. a lot of different factors came to play. So one of the factors was music, Mm -hmm. listening to Persian music and listening to it in Farsi. And I was like, I like this. This song is so fun. I have such a good memory of it. I wanted to understand what they were saying. Second of it, second of all was watching, uh, I, I would watch Madrasa Musha and all other Persian uh, cartoons and kid shows, and I was interested in understanding if you make language fun, kids will respond well. My mm-hmm. father uh, didn't realize he was making it fun; he was just doing it to teach me mm-hmm. without without realizing it was also that there were parts that were fun. So. My experience was I wanted to understand. And then my father said something to me once as a kid that I didn't understand until I grew up. Wow. Okay. So he basically wanted to be like: if I ever have to tell you what's on my heart, I can't explain it to you in English because you won't under I can't express it to you effectively in English for you to understand. And that's why it was so important for him, for me to learn, not only so that I could, I could remember my cultural heritage and ancestral background, but also so that I could communicate and connect with my father on a loving, intimate basis.
0: Wow. Well, why did it take him until you were five to figure that out?
1: It actually was a process of he was practicing his English. So while he would speak Farsi at times, he, he was speaking English and he also thought that he would confuse me. But the truth is, children, children's learning is so expansive that as a child we are able to pick up everything and the truth about language is it's never too late your brain never stops developing learning how to speak a different language you may become insistent on a pattern you may become consistent with a a type of way of saying things but the concept of language can happen at any time in your life it's just about application immersion and fun
0: okay Well, so how how did he do that, do the switch without you becoming resentful? Because I'm sure there was a lot of resistance on your end, right? And And what, how old were your siblings at this time too? You said. So at that time,
1: uh, my siblings were maybe three and one. Okay. For those two. and You then were the oldest. There okay. were two others. Yeah, so I was the first. I was the original. I was the original. <laughs> okay. I was the original archetype. Then they try to make, you know, mini-me's, but it, they didn't work out as well. <laughs> but I still okay. love them. You know, we still accept them. We still love them. We appreciate <laughs> their existence. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, so what kept you from becoming resentful?
1: Basically, it became the lack of choice, right? You see resentment in American kids because I swear American kids are giving given way more choices than us, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like American parents do something that is so rare in the In in a Persian family, American families will be like, hey, honey, what do you want to eat for dinner? And they ask the kid. They ask the kid. I I was shocked when I first saw that. Like, what what do we want to eat? What do you mean? We get to choose? What is this, a restaurant? I've never been. I've never been here. Usually in a Persian family, you're just told what you're going to eat for dinner and you eat it. There is no choice of whether you like something or not. It's are you going to die from hunger or not? So you... (laughs) You kind of tend to, to, to uh, accept something when you don't have a choice. Now, when it's something that's tyrannical, it's called oppression. When it's mm-hmm. something, which is actually, I, I promise you, if you really start looking up uh, tyranny and, and Persian, <laughs> Persian families, you see a lot of correlations. Yes. The only, the <laughs> only difference that exists that makes the biggest switch is love. There's love in the Persian family that's that is uh, that knows no bounds, and so that's the only difference. However, if you start going through the rules of tyranny, you're, you're looking up Persian <laughs> right. Baba 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 <laughs> is basically Stalin. You know, right. even the mustache. This is the guy. You know,
0: it's true. It's true. Well, so he was. So he basically said, "I'm only speaking with you in in Farsi." Is that in right? In Farsi, yes. Okay. And then what? What about when your mom was there? What would what would you all talk speak together so
1: a lot of people always ask if my mother speaks farsi mm-hmm. and she doesn't she doesn't okay. speak farsi which is why they're still married because if she <laughs> understood what he was saying i don't know how this would work if they understood each other this could go wrong <laughs> very quickly
0: i mean that's just generally about marriage right <laughs> anyone
1: that's that's why that's why i feel like if we start looking up percentages, I think, <laughs> will realize that couples that talk together break up. Like That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's like how it works. But uh, in seriousness, you know, a lot of people give my father a lot of credit for me being able to speak Farsi so mm-hmm. well or just being so knowledgeable about the Iranian culture and community. The truth is my mother was as instrumental, if not more so, in this process because she encouraged it. She encouraged mm-hmm. this behavior. She wanted me to be Iranian and black and mm-hmm. proud of mm-hmm. both. And so I spent a lot of time learning and being raised in different cultures and different religions that my family had. And to, to create this, this harmony within myself because they wanted everything to be represented when it came to me. Now, Mm -hmm. by the time it got to my youngest sister, no one cared anymore again. Like, (laughs) people were like, you know what? My youngest sister just thinks she's white. Like, she's not. (laughs) She's just like, what? Her name's, even her name is Tina. Like, they stopped (laughs) with ethnic names. Like, they were over it. So, by her, by the time the youngest came around, they were just like, you know what? You know, honestly, Tina. And (laughs) go, just go, just go. You know? Right, However, right. especially with me it was it was definitely something that was that was much more important to them. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
1: Just, I get in the same way that many parents worry the most about their firstborn right. child and then by the time they have, you know, 19, <laughs> 19 and and growing or whatever the 19 kid is just playing with a fork in an electric socket and they're like <laughs> Hey, can you pass me the gun? Like, they have no... They're just over it. They're just over it. Yeah, It's
0: true. But you had... So you had your classes on Saturday, and that was, like, formal class. But then, yeah, what about... the
1: Actually, formal classes were very short-lived. It was really just my father uh, giving me tutelage and actually having me do things with him. Every single Saturday was basically chore day. And Saturday and Sunday meant... We were working in the yard. We were working on the car. We were doing something. He just liked to always be very busy, and so it's very, it's it's very difficult not to learn a language that someone's speaking to you, uh, speaking to you in, and yelling at you, and <laughs> and encouraging you, and doing all these things when you're when you're actually participating in an activity. So that was an easier way than sitting in a classroom and saying. Baba up dog. Mama non dog. Like I was actually working with stuff like chakho, you know, be bede? What chakosh? Oh chakosh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammer, chakosh, hammer, Bede. give me. I get it.
0: Got it. Okay. Well then what about at the dinner table? Uh
1: at the dinner table, once again, my father spoke farsi to us. Ah. And so my father would speak would speak Farsi and we would all, especially with me, we would learn. And especially I was very I was broken in on the responding in Farsi role. Okay. So once again with my youngest siblings, they'll sometimes still respond in English unless mm-hmm. they have a real point. You know, they'll respond in they'll throw in a lot more English than I will.
0: So then would your mom feel left out or would someone have to translate for her?
1: Once again, being encouraging, she didn't. It, it wasn't, that's, that's what I mean. There was no, they didn't create a resentment or a feeling of what, of being targeted in that manner and feeling left out. She encouraged it. So if I did respond, she'd be like, no, say it in Farsi.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: Okay. And that's that was a big thing. And we see that sometimes in mixed homes, the opposite happens, where if even if you're in a mixed group of friends, a group of people will say, no, speak English, you know, or they'll yeah. shame you for speaking another language, which you don't realize is shaming or microaggression, because they also just want to be included and sometimes can feel left out in this matter. However, thankfully, my mother made sure not to do that.
0: Interesting. Okay. well, then what is your tip for, you know, a lot of us here are married to non-Iranians and trying to raise bilingual kids. And, you know, of everyone I've interviewed, no one has been able to do it like your good friend Maz (laughs) is having a hard time with his kids and everyone else as well, especially the fathers, I would say. So what would be your tip for people in a half-Iranian, half-other relationship raising kids?
1: Persistency, consistency,
0: and understanding,
1: meaning that keep doing it, don't give up. It does become very easy to not speak Farsi. It becomes very easy because why not? We are here. However, if you think about English as a language, with kids, we don't learn English from our parents per se. We don't sit there and learn the rules of how to speak, read, and write. Specifically from our parents. Sure, we get the basis, but let's be honest. Our parents' grammar isn't great, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not teaching us. And English is a very difficult language. Farsi is not. Farsi is actually not a very difficult language. So mm. uh, it isn't. There, there are no, there are no genders in Farsi. There are simple rules. Even writing, reading, and writing Farsi. It's a phonetic language. So yes. pretty much, you know how to read and write. Sure, there's a difference between. Huodumuni speaking and Kitabi speaking. However, that's something you go along and get along, especially if you read a lot, you'll learn. Right. However, being persistent, pushing through, even when it's more convenient, mm-hmm. whether it's in public or at home, continue to speak and teach and just speak Farsi. Your children will eventually pick it up. Trust me. Second of all is consistency. Consistency meaning don't just do it part time and then not other times, mm-hmm. um, like when people give up, but also when they are not consistent in and its application. And finally, understanding meaning be patient. Also realize that if someone says, like for example. A, a lot of Persian people have this thing where if I'm speaking to someone and I'm like, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, "I I don't I don't understand." No, <laughs> and they'll be like, "No, I don't know." And it's like, "Yo, you understand?" Kid, he's saying to <laughs> Like, right. be a little more understanding. Hmm. But Iranians will on They'll you'll like I'll be like Baba. Calculus, I'm calculus calculus, 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 No, Bubba, calculus, calculus, calculus. Here, calculus. No, calculus, calculus. No, baba, calculus, calculus, calculus. Oh, Aha, calculus. Like, bro, you understood calculus the first time. Calculus and calculus are not that different. Give me a break here. Help me out a little. <laughs> help me out a little. Don't chastise me, uh, right. express to me, explain to me. But then even if you don't, don't chastise, say it correctly without saying it to the person. Don't, Got it. don't say, it's not khuna, it's khune. To be like, <laughs> uh-huh. Like, right. And I will pick that up. People pay attention what other people speak. A lot of the slang, no one sat there and taught you what slang words were. No one taught you what... No one said, no, this is what a MILF is or this is what a fat fat butt really means. You kind of just picked it up as it was going through references and understanding. You understood what it meant. No one taught you. Wait,
0: so what's a MILF? No, just kidding.
1: (laughs) Well, Layla... um,
0: (laughs) And there's a language... (laughs) Well, Layla... So why why is... that? important to learn Persian? Do you think it is important?
1: It's extremely important. It's extremely important to learn one's quote unquote native tongue Mm -hmm. simply because there are many things that that Persian teaches. And I encourage this of all parents of all different ethnic backgrounds. First of all, it teaches cultural pride and heritage. I can be Iranian and American and there's no separation of the two. People always assume, well, if you're American, then this is what the archetype of an American is. That is not true. That has never been true. We've been programmed to believe that. But the truth is, all different, the, the strength of this country, much like the strength of Iran, comes from the different cultural and heritage backgrounds all in one place, all identifying as one nationality. In Iran, we have Kurds, Armenians, Azadis, Turks. We have a lot of different groups of people all in one one country, and it gives it its strength and its flavor. And it's actually specifically why the language, that language of Farsi is specifically why if you ask an Egyptian or a Syrian or or someone from Lebanon, if you ask them what they are, they will say they're they're Arab, even though... Mm -hmm. We're talking about the Mesopotamian, the Babylonian, the Egyptian empires of old, right? But now they're Arab. However, Iran, which was also invaded, never became Arab. They're still Iranian. And what's the difference? It's because we had a Ferdowsi. It's because we had a Hafez. It's because we had a defined language and cultural heritage, which shaped our identity. And a lot of our culture is in that language. A lot of the understanding of Iranian culture and the different cultural traditions that we have are in our language. You can understand things like These are things that you can't specifically translate. But if you understand the language, you can understand the people. And that's why it's so important for for our generation and past generations to promote this to future generations. We
0: right. can
1: leave the bad behind but take the good with us.
0: That's wonderful. And I think you're the way your father put it, you can't put it any better than that either just to be able to tell your dad did to your children.
1: Of course. There's going to be a day that you're going to want to to say something that comes from the heart whether it's whether it's on the most joyous day or the most sincerest day or the gloomiest day on your deathbed. And you're going to want to say it in your native tongue. And it will fall on deaf ears. If you do not take the opportunity and the time and effort now to teach your children. So Mm -hmm. teach them now, Mm -hmm. teach them now. Don't wait. And even if they're, they're resentful and, and they are, defensive and fighting back. That's how we feel about everything we're taught. We feel Mm -hmm. the same about being taught the words, thank you. And you're welcome. Uh, Say thank you. Uh." But eventually, the children that learn to say thank you also become better human beings in the long run.
0: Ah, that's so good. (laughs) That's very, very motivating. Thank you. Well, so now we're recording this. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're recording this um, with the, you know, events that are happening in the United States, all the Black Lives Matter protests happening. Um, I interviewed Reza Aslan, and I asked a question, uh, what part of Iranian culture are you trying not to pass on to your kids? And his immediate answer was the racism. So I was wondering if you can respond to that as someone with your unique perspective of being half Iranian, half black. Have you seen that a lot in the Iranian culture in particular?
1: Racism is a worldwide problem, no matter where you are. And unfortunately, Iranians are no different now. While originally Iranians were actually very progressive in their thoughts on concepts such as gender and and racial cultural differentiations. Unfortunately, one of the globalization factors has been race. And Iranians can be very racist. A lot of Iranians are, are defensive of that. And when they become defensive, I understand, accountability will always feel like an attack when someone's not ready to accept responsibility. So I understand. However, in a culture that called Asian people Chesh Tang for the longest time until very recently, which just means tight eyes, we should be aware of our racial and and cultural prejudices and biases. And I express this to Iranians all the time who are defensive about it. Iranians, and I express, I explain, I have to explain racism. And they're like, well, Iranians aren't racist. And I'm like, yes, uh, this is racism. When your daughter brings home a a white guy, and you're okay with it. Sure, it's a little different, but you're okay. And if your daughter brings home a black guy, uh, people will call her a whore. That is racism. Are we aware of this? Have we seen this before? And the answer is yes and we should be aware of this because a lot of people from Iran will contact me and say, "Well, we're not racist." And I say, "Let's ask the Afghans who live in Iran right. if they think Iranians are racist. Let's let's ask the Afro-Iranians in the south right who are called who are called blacky and burnt all the time and and burnt black siya sourte in all these words let's ask them if iranians can be racist right so racism is is no stranger to iranians what we can do and this is a major thing people need to be need to understand is simply be aware if we're aware of a problem if you're an, if you were an alcoholic the first step the first step is not rehab the first step is not an intervention the first step is for you to be aware that you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And so all I ask of Iranians and my uh, fellow Hamvatan, I simply ask, be aware that there is a problem. Do not mm-hmm. deny it. In Farsi, there's this saying, there's this old saying, and Farsi, of course, is one of the oldest languages still in use today. It's one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful languages and it's so poetic in nature. It's not exact, which is why laws and farsi never work. Mm-hmm. And also, by the way, they have horrible terms for for political affliction. Okay? Everything is basically Zolma. Like what's oppression? <laughs> zolm. What's tyranny? <laughs> Zolma? <laughs> like there's no real so zolm and zulbi Bamiya sound alike. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> which is like equality and noon batter sound exactly the same. <laughs> like how do we expect to stand up for ourselves when we don't have con- clear and concise language on uh-huh. on political affliction and oppression? Uh-huh. We just uh-huh. don't. However, you know, like sitam setam gari. What's what's brutality? Sitam Sitam What's tyranny? Sitam Like it's just so we have no differentiation. Anyway. <laughs> we should just be aware, and there's this there's this saying in Farsi, Khab Bidar Kard, Bidar Which means so, one who's asleep can be woken up, but one who pretends to sleep can never be woken. So I ask my fellow Iranians to be woke. Stay woke. Wake up. Wake up to the good and the bad of Iranian culture and society. And let's work together to remove the bad. We can. If there's one thing that protests show you, not today, but historically, that people have shown you, when groups of people get together, anything is possible. It can be good or bad. It's up to us. So let's focus it on good.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And I've realized, like, it seems like Indian Americans, I don't know if you've noticed this, have been doing a lot of work lately. I've I've been seeing a lot of resources from them coming together and really, you know, talking about racism in the Indian culture. And and I've seen less of it in in the Iranian diaspora, but I'm seeing a little bit more. The videos that you're putting out I find very, very helpful. So thank you for doing that. Um, Thank you you for sharing and caring. Yeah, no, wonderful work. Um, and, and like you said, a lot of vocabulary that I've been learning, <laughs> that I guess it's it's limited amount of words, as you're saying. But um, are there any other resources that you recommend um, Iranians specifically look into?
1: Yes. There's this wonderful, precious resource that exists. And I think, uh, unfortunately, people don't utilize them as much. They're called books. And... What people can do is read, and if uh, how do you how do you read, spell
0: that book book
1: book <laughs> book 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 okay book book, <laughs> book. not boosh.
0: book b o o k okay 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 I wrote that right next to milf just as these
1: books Iranians are amazing at being experts on things that they've never actually read about yes yes i have seen many people in general but iranians specifically go from helicopter experts to epidemiologists to civil rights leaders and (laughs) and experts in three in three short
0: months
1: (laughs) and yet when i ask have you ever read a book on this subject the Mm -hmm. answer is most often no Mm -hmm. even on iranian history itself Mm -hmm. And the politics in Iran, very few times have I communicated with someone on these matters, and they've actually read a single book about it. Hmm. Experience is great. And this happens in every community. I feel the same way about the African-American community. When speaking about racism, I understand that many people have experienced racism, but how many people have actually read about racism, African-American history struggle and, and the history of racism in the United States, be aware, read. We can all, we can all for the most part read. Thankfully the literacy rates in the world are the highest they have ever been. We all can read because we all read memes and, and articles and, and editorials all the time. And, we read the subtitles of the little clips that we watch that convince us as confirmation bias of one thing or another, but we can all read facts mm-hmm. and we can read actual experts. That was one of the biggest problems with coronavirus. People are like, "Why? well, why didn't we know about coronavirus? We did. The experts calculated everything. The one thing that they never put into their calculations was the simple fact that people who were not experts would not believe the experts they just simply didn't calculate why would they ever think that would be a thing like a a guy who went to harvard and oxford and i'm not saying education is the only way to determine if you're right however this is a person who's put you know a young man or woman who's put and dedicated their entire lives to a subject gives you an opinion you should probably take it a little more serious you should probably go hey I I went to DeVry and I dropped out. Maybe this guy knows something more than what I know about this subject. So if we all just read more and study more and educate ourselves, most of the problems of the world can be eradicated with actual education, not biased education, not confirmation bias, actual education.
0: Right, right. And I know there's a lot of lists out there right now of books to read. Is there anything you want to recommend in particular? Well, actually,
1: actually, there's not even a book. There are a lot of books. <laughs> there are a lot of yeah. books that I would... But a lot of people always love to say they don't have time to read and people don't tend to read in, in general. There mm-hmm. are a lot of books that I personally recommend and mm-hmm. I will give, go over that as well. But the, okay. the main thing that I want people to do is take the time to watch easy-to-digest material available to us on Netflix, Amazon. There are documentaries like 13th. Mm-hmm. There are movies like Just Mercy. These are, th- the documentary is very informative. It's extremely informative. And the entertainment movies are extremely entertaining and still get the, get the point across.
0: Okay. And,
1: I, and, I, and I feel like some people, just because everyone had time to watch Tiger King, right. everyone watched Tiger King. Right. So everyone had time to watch 13 Reasons Why and, and Friday the 13th. Well, how about just let's let's watch 13th, which is a, an extremely amazing, wonderfully done documentary. But as far as books go, there are books such as How to Be an Anti-Racist. That's a very good book. Um, just for something where to include Middle Eastern diaspora, there's a book, I believe it's called When They Call You a Terrorist, A Black Lives Matter memoir.
0: Whoa. Okay. I haven't
1: that's heard a, of that. That one's a pretty well, these are all there's a lot of new books. If you want to read something that's more um in tune, you can read things like If Beale Street Could Talk, that's a James Baldwin book. I believe it was done in the seventies. Um so You Want to Talk About Race is a good book that's, that's new. The New Jim Crow, that's an excellent mm. book, The New Jim Crow. I'm just going over books that I've read lately. Uh, mass incar- Incarceration, because we don't realize the school to prison pi- pipeline that exists. A lot of people are not aware of that. They are not aware of, and, and I want to express this in ways that Iranians can understand. Okay, so let's say I was having a conversation. uh, You were having a conversation as an Iranian. You were having a conversation with someone who knew very little about Iran, had basically only seen it now and then on the news and was talking to you and trying to suggest to you how you can fix Iran and all the problems of Iran. You would be very annoyed. You'd mm-hmm. be like, you don't know anything. And he's like, well, I've seen it on the news. I know enough. All of your people are busy burning American flags because that's a misperception that many Americans possibly have of Iran. And it's clearly very far from the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important because the truth is out there. It's in things called books and Between the World and Me or The New Jim Crow or White Fragility. All these are books that we can read to understand the facts behind racism and the racist history of the United States, so and, and when people in Iran have a hard time understanding, well, America looks like it's amazing, and it is. Listen, America is amazing. I'm not, and I want to. I want to express to people this: I'm not anti-police. I love police. Well, I don't know if I love police, but I. Like the police, the police, especially police, I respect the police, more importantly, and I appreciate the police. I'm not anti-police. I am anti-police brutality. There's a difference. And if there's not a difference, then we should probably, we probably have a much bigger problem than we realize. If police and police brutality are the same thing, we have a problem that's much bigger. I'm not anti-white. That's another misconception or misperception is... Black power means white hate, it does not. We only think that because traditionally and historically that's what white power has meant towards black people. White power means black hate, so we assume that black power must mean white hate. It does not. I'm not against, I'm not anti-white. I am anti-white supremacy. And if they are the same thing, then we have a bigger problem than we realize. And I'm not anti-American. I'm not anti-America. I love America. America is an amazing country. America, comparatively speaking to all the other countries, is possibly, if not the best country in the world, just given the opportunities that are are available here. America only fails when it comes to the concept of America itself. It fails miserably. I am not anti-America. I am anti-racism. And unfortunately, racism is such a part of America that when you protest racism, people think you're protesting America.
0: Right. <laughs> so
1: if, right. You have, if you had a bigger problem with the knee that Colin Kaepernick knelt with in the NFL than the knee that murdered George Floyd, you might be part of the problem. Be aware of it. Think about it.
0: Right. Well, that's wonderful. I, th- th- this is a little um, different topic too, but have you looked into the history of Haji Firuz? Do you have any feelings on that?
1: Of course I have. Okay. Haji, Firuz, <laughs> Haji Firuz is one of the most amazing, beautiful parts of Iranian culture and history, and yet it is st- steeped in racism. Now, mm-hmm. here's the connotation when we look at Haji Firuz now, especially us in the diaspora of the West, we're looking at it with a lens of the Western diaspora. And so we look at Haji Firuz as if it's much more racist, or it is racism incarnate. And it is not. It is a tradition that is old. It is an old tradition, 3,000 years of Haji Firuz. So it's nothing, it's, it's not the blackface that we're used to now. However. However, and this is the point I like to make, we are now awake. We are now aware. So let's now be sensitive and understanding and empathetic. And, and we're realized, we realize now that Haji Fidus is racist, and it is racism, and blackface is inappropriate. We realize that now. It's happened before. It, it's happened with the Swastika. Hindus had the swastika for thousands of years, thousands of years. It was their design, the swastika, the design that meant good fortune and positive energy. And then Hitler and Nazi Germany perverted this symbol into hate and committed atrocious acts of genocide and murder under its design. So today, no good person would wear a swastika. No good person would wear a swastika and go, but wait, I don't mean hate, I mean good fortune and positive energy.
0: Okay. No yeah. good
1: person would do that. No reasonable good person would do that because we're all aware now. We all know. So anyone who wears that design knows what message they're giving out. This is the same with Haji Firuz. This is the same with All Lives Matter. This is the same with any instrument of hate. They're not the same. The swastika is much more extreme and worse, but they come from the same place, and that's a place of hate and racism. Okay. So, yeah, I love ask,
0: that. I love that explanation because. It uh, is. So, are, are we saying that, like, do we know that the origins are racist, or is it a racist origin, or are we saying it doesn't matter at this point? This is our understanding of it, and so not it must only change. do
1: we know that the mm-hmm. origins are clearly from slavery, okay. we know. He sings a song about it.
0: Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Yo,
1: Arbab is not something anyone wants to be called, right? So it's like we, we don't want that situation. So the concept is we know where it comes from. We've made excuses and justified it for too long. So now that we're here and we are aware, it's okay. It's okay. We can have a Haji Firuz that does not wear blackface. It's okay. (laughs) We will be fine.
0: When you put it that way, it seems like a very simple, I love it.
1: (laughs) Most of these things are very simple. If people stopped getting triggered, they would understand it's simple. Let's take, for example, protests. What Mm -hmm. are people protesting? A lot of people are like, well, what do they want? Do they want to end racism? No. Racism is an individual measure that is innate, unfortunately, in some ways, and taught to different people and generations, sure. We cannot end racism with a protest. What we can do is make people aware that racism exists. Do we have people that still deny racism or racism exists? Yes, we do. We see it all the time. So being aware is step one. Step two, The system of the United States is racist. We know this because the Constitution was originally developed and under a racist foundation. Then we have laws and regulations and policies that encourage discrimination. We know this for a fact. It's not my opinion. So the end of systematic racism. We would like to end systematic racism. Sounds very simple. You just remove or... You remove or correct or rectify racist laws and policies and agendas and businesses and government entities. Very simple. And third, end police brutality. We do not want police brutality. We believe that police do an extreme, dangerous, and difficult job. It's a profession they've chosen. They get to put the badge on and take it off. I cannot take off my skin. So let's end police brutality. It starts with black people. But guess who's next? All of you. It just goes down the line. And there will be less and less people to stand up for you when it's your turn. So let's start now. Black people are on the front line. Let's stop, stop it. Let's end police brutality. So be aware of racism, end systematic racism, in police brutality. What's the argument? What are we arguing here? Well, no, let's keep police brutality. Ah! Well, I, I, can, I can understand why someone might say that. I just think it's a very illogical request. And why is it important that it, it's in America? Because if America is the land of the free and the home of the brave, if America is the country that promises liberty and justice for all, and we're having this problem, then how much more should this affect Countries like Iran, where people should be the most aware and come together and use this as an understanding that the three most dangerous words ever written are we, the people. The first three words of the Constitution are the most dangerous words because the people have all the power. And a government should be afraid of its people, and a people should not be afraid of its government. I'm not talking about politics. I'm simply Talking about principles.
0: Mm. Beautiful. I'm nodding my head emphatically here, <laughs> and and I know we started off this conversation by saying that we should have interviewed you earlier. But I'm so so happy that it happened now. Um, at this point, I've learned so much Tehran. I've learned so much. <laughs> I really I really appreciate your perspective. I thank you for all these words that you've said. Um, it's definitely changed the way I'm viewing things and the way I feel like I can talk about things. So thank you.
1: I appreciate you. And I always, there's one principle I I hope people realize, whether it's teaching your kids Farsi or teaching your kids social justice issues, educate, do not humiliate. And that's something that more people should do, whether it's speaking to one another, speaking to a friend, or even speaking to an enemy. Educate, do not humiliate. We can all do this. And remember, even when I post, because people always, well, why do you respond to everybody or all these people and you're so patient? It's because they're not the only ones reading the words that I'm saying. There are people who are on the fence or people who don't know as much, or there are people who, whose mind I am changing. And, and that's all it takes is changing one person's mind. One person. I made the example of the candles in one of the videos I put out, and I stand by it that when you take one candle and you light it, you now have a flame that can light other candles. And when you light another candle, from one you've made two, and the flame of the first candle does not extinguish, it does not get weaker, it's just as strong. Now you have two candles to light two more, and now you have four, and from four you do eight, and eight is 16, and next thing you know, an entire nation, a community, a nation, a world of people, are now lit with this fire of of freedom and liberty and justice, a principle, and we can all make so much change. This isn't black versus white. This isn't us versus them. It's us versus racists. It's good people versus bad people. More importantly, it's good people versus bad thinking. And we can change this. We have before, we can again.
0: I love it, and I feel it. I feel it's changing for sure. And where can people find you? Where we've talked about your videos. Where's the best place to find you? Not on Facebook, apparently. In the streets,
1: protesting. <laughs> no, Find me yeah. at I am Tehran all across the board. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm. I, I try to be on everything, of course. Find me at I am I-A-M, Tehran, T-E-H-R-A-N. My name is Tehran. It's my real name. It's not a nickname. It's the name I was born with. And if you don't know how to spell Tehran, just watch <laughs> Fox News. Just watch Fox <laughs> News. And it'll pop up every every 14 minutes. It'll pop right up.
0: So, I didn't think that this interview was going to end with you saying, just watch Fox News. Okay, that, that was the final message, everyone.
1: <laughs> the, the concept. I'm open to all things. And and I appreciate it. By the way, in case people didn't realize from what I uh, what I said on this this podcast, is I do comedy. So in case <laughs> <laughs> my comedy is really just a TED talk. So if you <laughs> need me to speak in an event, no, I, I do comedy. So I, I incorporate a lot of my my thoughts and a lot of f- facts that people find hard to swallow into my comedy. But I do it in a very fun, acceptable. inclusive, enjoyable way because a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down so good comedy makes you laugh but great comedy makes you think and I hope to provide great comedy for everyone
0: I love it and I think that's a perfect note to end on so we'll have links to uh, all of these places you can find Tehran on the website and uh, a list of books that he recommended I'll go through and type those out so they're easy to, to figure out and Tehran, thank you so much for for talking with me today.
1: Thank you, Leila Jerome
0: And stay safe out there. Wear your keep your mask on.
1: <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's I, I'm I'd rather die from corona than racism. I don't know. I'm out in these streets. Help definitely. me.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Help
1: me. Healthcare healthcare is next. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. Well, thank you so much. And that was the interview. We'll have links to where you can find Tehran on the show notes on our website at chaiandconversation.com with chai spelled C-H-A-I. We have an active Instagram account where we post these interviews and all the work we do. You can find us there at chaiandconversation.com again chai spelled C-H-A-I and the main thing we do is teach conversational Persian in the way Tehran talks about in this interview. We teach you how to communicate. That's our only goal to make it an inclusive and joyful experience and to help you connect with fellow humans. So thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Layla Shams, signing off.